All right, Agile for Humans listeners, after the intro, we'll be talking to Kim Brainerd. We're going to go over a few interesting things here, I think. A lot of you have questions about what it takes to become a certified Scrum trainer through Scrum Alliance. Well, Kim is here to talk to us about it. She actually went through the process over the past couple years and is now a full-fledged CST teaching all over the world, but uh, she's going to tell us what it took to get there. Might have some coaching conversations along the way, so listen to the intro, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Our goal is to bring humanity back into the world of software delivery with agile values, principles, and practices. We gather top agilists from around the globe to share insights and help you grow as servant leaders in your organizations. We seek to open minds, change hearts, and deliver value into the world. Now here is our host, professional scrum trainer and agile practitioner, Ryan Ripley. All right, Kim, welcome back to Agile for Humans. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. This is definitely a uh, great topic to talk about and one that is near and dear to my heart. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, We're wrapping up the year. So as you know, so Kim, as we talked about in the intro, is a certified Scrum trainer with Scrum Alliance. Of course, the listeners know I'm a professional scrum trainer with scrum.org. People might be shocked that we actually talk. We're actually really good friends. It's kind of weird. We all, uh, regardless of, the, of the, the certification body that we work with, we all tend to actually know each other and get along pretty well. Um, in this case, uh, my year's winding down. I think Kim's is winding down. And so we took this time. Well, Kim, I mean, let's just get into it, right? I know normally we do like the Hey, how's life? And but I think we've got kind of a, a pretty cool topic that caught people's attention. So let's just jump into it. A couple of years back, you made a decision um, to go down the CST path. I'm sure it was made many, many years before that. What was it like getting started on that? I'm not going to ask the difficult well, why not scrum.org? I mean, that's not a fun question, but you made the decision, you went down the Scrum Alliance path. Um, what does that look like getting started? Like, how do you actually like, let's say I've decided I'm going to do this, the hypothetical me, not the real me. I mean, what does that look like? So what does that look like? It, it, it truly is a journey. Um, I think a lot of people don't really embrace the word journey. And, and that's one thing that I think could be one of the biggest benefits is embrace it that it's a journey and, and embrace every step of the way. My journey started, uh, and becoming a certified scrum trainer probably back in early 2015, um, if not late 2014. And I was doing some volunteer work uh, at at one of the local conferences. And then in early 2015, I was attending the global scrum gathering in Phoenix, Arizona. And when I was, when I was out of the conference and just, started to the conversations and going in and and meeting some of the trainers and coaches in that community, I realized that I had already been doing training, just not um, certified uh, scrum training. And I I love training. I love coaching, but I wanted to take it to a different level. And so that was really when it began. And I I met so many wonderful friends and I I met the colleagues that I've, I've met along the way. Every conversation was a part of that journey. Every time I worked with others and, and also hired others to come in and do some work for us, that was part of the journey. 
as you went down that path, I mean, of course, you decided you wanted to start teaching these these classes, which, I mean, it's it's the the two day Scrum courses that I'm sure the listeners see posted uh, online quite a bit. I mean, what is it about deciding that you want that certification that 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 almost formalization of you as a trainer? Like, what did that decision look like? Because I mean, you were doing well before. Um, I'm, I'm doing amazing now. But what was that kind of what was that bump? What was that push that made you say, yes, I actually want to formalize what I'm doing and really um, go down on this, go down uh, this, this path? Well, I don't think I really realized how many classes it takes to become, meaning how many training classes it takes to become a certified trainer before I started. I was doing a lot of non certified classes teaching scrum and then when I had the opportunity to co-train with other certified scrum trainers uh, I didn't realize that it was those that actually counted towards earning my certified scrum trainer certification I know that was a lot of words there so let me break this down currently uh, what it takes is it's going into training with others sometimes that actually takes you not getting paid and so it, it really is some strategic planning to think about this as that, all right, here is my, my roadmap for the six month or six or for a year. And what can I do? Can I take time off of work for my current engagement? And when I'm taking this, this time off, what does that really entail? I mean, and so it entails this is that if you're at a full-time job or if you're doing a coaching gig where you're self-employed, you might have to take your own personal uh, paid time off or take leave without pay uh, to go into these engagements. And so that was really one of my first decisions that I made was what is this going to take financially as well as, um, you know, my own personal time. And at first I said, you know what? All right, I'm going to need to meet with five different trainers and I need to have uh, a couple times with them, maybe one or two. So if you think about it, you it's two days of training per one person. So that's two days. So that just figure 10 days. And that's at the very best. That's at absolutely if you don't need to, to go work with that trainer at more than that. And so I knew right off the bat that that wasn't realistic, that I, I, would, I didn't want a one and done and, and to get a letter. I wanted to think about this as I wanted to be a journey. I really want to make sure that I take the point of observing these trainers and then I want to learn from these trainers and then I want to actually get on the stage with these other trainers. And so realistically, I knew it was going to take at least two to three times partnering with one of the other certified scrum trainers. And so if you think about it, it's at least three times times two. I mean, it's six times that I was uh, six days that I was actually working with them. And so if you need, and, and I hope you guys are doing the math, and I'm sorry if, if it's too early for everybody, but you basically need to think about it as at least two months without pay. Um, and, and that's really realistic when you're talking about traveling. And so yeah, it takes some savings as well. And so, Ryan, to go back to answering your question, I really decided that the fast track of all this wasn't really the best option. And so I wanted to spread the, this out and also ensure that I was digesting what I was learning. So I, that's what I did. I, I said, all right, here's my, my, my plan. Here's my roadmap. And I can space these types of trainings out and also make sure it's financially 
reasonable for me. And honestly, a lot of people say it's costly to, to earn your certified scrum trainer certification. But I also never went to get my master's. And I really, truly believe that this certification is my, my PhD versus my master's. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's what a, my first step was. Yeah, I think that's a super important point, right? There is an investment here. And so people, you know, when, when they start down this path, I, I think raising awareness of that is important. I want to step back real quick and, and just kind of lay out some of the steps that I'm hearing. I know there's some kind of um, application, some kind of notification to Scrum Alliance that you're interested in becoming a certified Scrum trainer. I think there's some intake process there. But once you start down the path um, to be to you know make your next steps down that that journey to CST, um, what I'm hearing from Kim is that there's co-training requir- requirements. So you work with other CSTs in the community, you co-train classes with them, um, and you have to get a letter of recommendation from these trainers. So Kim, I know. Um, that you certainly went down this path, you went through that process. How many letters did you end up getting um, as part of your submission back to Scrum Alliance? I believe I had 11 or 12 letters. So that means, for the listeners out there, that means you've worked with 11 or 12 different uh, CSTs throughout your journey. You did a few classes uh, with each of them. So a massive investment in time and understudy, actually. So learning from each CST, seeing how they teach a class, seeing how they, um, how they, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to teach Scrum and each one brings their own stories, their own, um, their own angles, their own um, experiences into the, the classes. Um, on the Scrum Alliance side, each trainer builds their own course material based on um, outcomes and objectives. And so even seeing different materials across um, is probably pretty fascinating, right? Oh, it absolutely is. And and one thing I want to mention, Ryan, before we actually move on past that, um, and there, so I I believe it is noted that it's nice to have five letters from a certified scrum trainer. So a lot of people say, why did you go out and seek more? And it wasn't that I went out to seek more. I, I have a true belief in, you don't start what you don't finish. And whether that start was conversation or seeking out someone's assistance, that means that I needed to ensure that I fulfilled their mindset of what it become, what it means to be a certified scrum trainer. And so what I want to get at is there, there, I actually was accepted into the uh, TAC. And by the way, TAC stands for Trainer Approval Community. And that's the Scrum Alliance's Trainer Approval Community. And I was accepted into the TAC before receiving other letters. And I wanted to ensure that I, again, finished what I started with those trainers. And that I actually still went out to co-train with them. And I still wanted to make sure I learned from them. And so technically, there was probably at least four letters that I received after being accepted to the TAC. And so you're working with these 10, 11 uh, different CSTs. You're doing that all over the country. Um, how long do you think it took you? Because, I mean, you mentioned you did multiple classes with, with the majority of these. I mean, over what kind of time period uh, were you working with the C- these CSTs? How, over what time period were you co-training all of these classes? That's a great question. So I, I would say, and I have to say that I was extremely fortunate. Um, it is a a minimum investment of about three and a half years in my, in my 
personal opinion. However, with that being said, my personal life did have to do a lot with that fast track of three and a half years. And some of you are like fast track three and a half years. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I actually don't have any children. Um, I have my own business. And, and why do I say children? I said, you know, that's a big home investment, as you know, Ryan. I mean, I know you and your family and the investment it takes to be, that you take as being a father. And that's a lot of time. And I, I have, you know, obligations at home as well. However, I guess you could say that I didn't have as many obligations as you personally do. And so therefore, that fast track for me was three and a half years. The other thing is, is I was self-employed. So therefore, being self-employed, I didn't necessarily have, you know, a, a full-time job where I had to um, only miss certain days at work. You know, I was able to work with clients. So therefore, I could take off uh, when I needed to without disrupting and I could plan ahead. Um, and so that's why I say fast track for me. I mean, I, I can only imagine what people um, do right now to go through this who do have, you know, little ones at home and have, who do have that full-time job where they can't just take off. And my heart goes out to those folks. It, it really does because, and in fact, I'd, I'd say those folks are even more dedicated because they're giving up true valuable time that, that should be going potentially elsewhere. So to answer your question, my path started at three and a half. However, it continued because I, I didn't pass the tax my first time around. So, so, um, so we'll jump into that more in a second. That. I know that uh, that's going to be, people are going to be very curious about the tech and how that works. Something I wanted to bring into this as well. You can't just really apply to be a CST without going through and having your CSM, the CSP. I mean, there's, there are some prerequisite um, certifications, right? Oh, absolutely. So, um, and that's one of the things I've seen missing from some of the folks that I'm co-training with. A lot of people say, let me go ahead and be a scrum trainer. It seems so magical and, and, and has so many benefits to it. However, it really, there's a lot of volunteer time that is invested in getting to this stage, uh, which is the most important to me, to be quite honest. Um, it's what is your investment to the community? How are you giving back? And, and, and making a contribution. And that, that was a huge investment at first. And I would, that doesn't start at, okay, I'm going to be a scrum trainer and let me just start volunteering. Um, I would hope that this passion is something that started years ago. And that's where I had, I've really invested is before I even thought about co-training with anyone, I had a few years of serving and giving back to the community. I served as the, uh, San Diego uh, co-chair for the Scrum Alliance Global Gathering, working in uh, helping with papers, helping with coaching, like free coaching, uh, meetup groups and, and speaking engagements. Um, and then there's also the, the part of maintaining your certifications and continuing your own education. And, and Ryan, you and I both know we, we also still continue our, our, our path to continuing to educate ourselves. It's not that we're, you know, the experts of, in the world. We actually still have to make sure that we inspect ourselves and, and, and make um, changes in, and learn and continuous learning. So, yes, you have to keep learning. You have to keep up with, with your knowledge and make sure that you expand your knowledge as well as well as um, have that volunteer work. 
Yeah. So there's a, there's a huge body of work that goes into this ahead of time. The, the service back to the community is huge. Um, you go through the, the courses as, as a student, you, you attain the, the, the CSM, the, the CSP, all those prerequisites. You give that, <clears throat> you notify Scrum Alliance, you're interested through their intake process. You start co-training, you're spending all this time with other trainers, you're earning their, actually earning their confidence that you can get in front of their students, their clients and teach a class and which is no small feat uh, in and of itself. Um, and then let's say you get all these letters collected, you have the recommendations from the trainer community, you're all good to go. And then I think you pick one of the, and again, I correct me if I'm wrong here, you, you are, in, <clears throat> you're invited to attend a TAC at one of the, the global scrum gatherings. And then you attend that global scrum gathering and appear in front of the TAC. And so can you talk a little bit about what TAC is and then your initial or your first experience going through TAC? Absolutely. So let, let's start first with the, the TAC. So the TAC is, it consists of some individuals from the Scrum Alliance, and it also consists of some of the certified Scrum trainers in the community. And the, the certified Scrum trainers are a mix of individuals that are international, as well as they have a requirement to have uh, served as a certified Scrum trainer for two years. And then uh, they have to go and apply to be a certified uh, scrum trainer on the TAC. And so the TAC is, is an amazing group of people. You know, I, I'm going to also say, did I say bad things about my TAC? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'll get into that in a minute. Do I feel awful about it? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, it goes into the, the fact of being human being. When we as human beings have the a rejection moment or... Um, can't see through the tunnel, you know, what is our human reaction? We kind of put up this barrier and can't see through the light. And so I'll, I'll touch on that in just a minute. But um, I, I actually now am, am thankful for my TAC in things that they help me see through and, and help me through some of my rough spots. Um, but anyways, the, the TAC is a group of people that put together a lot of time. And this is volunteer work that they're doing. They're taking time on in their nights and their weekends after doing two-day classes, and it's exhausting. Um, and so what they're doing is they're reviewing your material, giving you feedback, scheduling time on the phone or video conferences to help you with, you know, how you could get into the TAC. Because some people do submit a package, and the initial package is not accepted whether that was missing some learning objectives, maybe it's that they hadn't thought uh, clearly through uh, the learning objectives. And these TAC members are actually taking their own time to give you feedback. And that is a huge piece that I think a lot of people don't realize. It takes hours for them just to actually go through one person's package. And I believe they're getting at least over 20-some, 30-some applications. So they have to review all of these on their own time. And that number could be low, Ryan, to be quite honest. I'm not on the tech, so I don't actually know that those numbers. Um, and so the first, peer, the first step of it is they're reviewing all your information, and there's more than one of them that have to review it. There's a few of them that review the package. They work together as a team. And I believe they also use Scrum to do this as well, from, from my understanding. And so they have a, a, a sprint in which they actually have to get these this work done and deliver their answer, whether this person would be moving forward. And so 
Once that that's completed, the TAC then has to travel to the locations where these in-person interviews are going to be conducted. And the in-person interviews consist of, and the first round is an interview itself, where five TAC members meet with the applicant, uh, the individual that's going and, and trying to become a certified scrum trainer. And then they go through a series of questions and answers. So the TAC takes turn, the members of the TAC take turns asking questions to the individual. For me, this was a, a um, I, I felt very comfortable. I want to kind of pause here and give you some real life. Uh, my TAC was in Minneapolis and I knew pretty much everyone on my TAC. And I walked in and I was giving hugs to everybody and I was kind of being my crazy self. For those that know me, I'm a little bit different. I'm kind of out there, present a lot of energy. And I didn't necessarily take my first TAC as a job interview. And I took it as I'm walking into the room with a group of my peers, my friends, and I wanted to be extremely relaxed. And I also didn't want to be anyone I wasn't, but I also wasn't being me, if I can be completely honest with you. Um, I was projecting almost too much energy as a cover-up to my true self. And so we went into the interview and they had asked me a couple of questions. I felt pretty good about my interview. And I, I enjoyed the questions. I, I thought all the questions were quite fair. And that, I guess that interview was probably about, and excuse me, my memory might not serve me correct, um, maybe about 10 to 15 minutes. And then what you do is you step outside, Ryan. And then I believe that they, the tack takes time to prepare a topic for you, a topic that you will come back in and teach them. And so... That's the part around the interview portion with the TAC. I wanted to pause, make sure to see if you had any questions about that piece of it. No, that's, that's, that's a really good description of, of that initial um, interaction with TAC. Uh, when you're working with them, when you're interviewing, like I know you can't give away an exact question, but what's, what's the kind of question you could expect uh, when you're doing an interview with the TAC? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. So, the one that I think a lot of people know is this, is why do you want to become a certified scrum trainer? And Ryan, you had, you know, it, it kind of goes back to something you said before, you know, why not scrum.org? And we won't get into that, but <laughs> it's important no matter what organization, why? And in fact, I don't even necessarily know if, if, if it's about why do you want to be a certified scrum trainer or why do you want to be a certified, you know, a, a professional scrum trainer? It's why do you want to train is really the question. Uh, take the organization out of it. Why do you want to train? And that's really where that knot in my throat comes out is that I love what I do. I love, I love to share knowledge. And I also want to share, I want to grow my knowledge, every class I learn. And when you see people have that light bulb go off, that reward is better than any paycheck, any time of day. And it's also that if you believe in what you're training, and I do. And, and that's probably the question I hope everybody really, not just don't, don't put a false answer up by writing something down. If you're going to prepare yourself to be a certified scrum trainer, right now, today, create your vision. Uh, go out and create the vision of why do you want to be a trainer and, and start to refine that vision along the way. Because 
as you grow as a trainer, that vision of your why statement should grow. And that would be my first recommendation to anybody. Start now and put in writing why and inspect and adapt that continuously throughout your training. I think that's wildly important. That's probably going to end up being one of the best tips of this show for anyone considering becoming a certified scrum trainer or a professional scrum trainer. Um, the why is is super critical, right? And so that's something I had to consider becoming a, a trainer myself. Um, and as I, I really honed in on why um, I wanted to be a trainer, I, I've held on to that because um, and maybe we'll get into this after we talk about Kim's you know, journey to, to getting the, the CST certification. Um, but because being a trainer is a dream job. Like I am living the, I'm living my best life. As the kids say, I am, I have the old, I I'm doing the work that I love to do. It is also a grind. It is a hotel room life. It is a, mm. uh, it is a heavy travel. Um, there's trade-offs that we make. And there are times where you're just wiped out and, and latching onto that why um, really gets you through it. And I'll tell you what, if the why is because you want to become rich, don't become a trainer. Um, <laughs> don't become a trainer. It, that that oh reason my gosh. will not sustain you. <clears throat> and it will actually be obvious in your classes. Like I, I've met a few on, on all sides of the, on all sides of the aisles who initially started that way. And we've had some very serious conversations about recentering their why, because if it's money driven or fame driven, or if you're trying, that fades away, right? And I'm not saying, I mean, we're very well compensated. I'm not saying we're doing this for free, but um, when you're really grinding through a tough month, a tough year, or when you're, you're in a difficult class, the why of why you're in front of those people is so important. Like you really have to um, have that zeroed in or else I think this will become a struggle for people. Yeah. Um, I want to share something that Dave Pryor uh, had shared with me when I was going through the process. And he said, you better love what you do so much, so much that when you wake up and you can't even wake up because you're so sick or something's impeding on you to get to class that day because you know, you're ill or something happens, you have to go. You have to go because there are at least 20 other lives that have restructured their day or two days to be with you, to retain yeah. information, to help them on their path to changing the world. And I'm like, okay, I, that makes sense, Dave. I definitely, you know, I don't call in sick. I don't do anything like that. But when I, um, you know, not too long after, you know, I earned my certification, you know, several you know, months into it, uh, and I, I had a serious accident occur and a serious fall, not a car accident, but I had a serious fall, which has um, given me a handicap. I have, I tore my uh, ATFL uh, ligaments in both my left and right ankles. I did this on a Sunday. And on Monday morning, I had a, and folks, I don't actually recommend this to anybody, but to make the point is you better love what you do and, and care more about those students than you do a paycheck is on that Monday morning in a, in a wheelchair and, and a, a scooter, I showed up to class with two boots on my legs and extreme, uh, the extreme pain was, was crazy, but I didn't feel any pain for those 16 hours that I was in class. 
I fought through and, and, and everybody's like, I can't believe you didn't cancel class. And it was a sold out class. You can't. And we had other people that were relying on you. And, and so I thought of Dave that day. I was like, yep, I'm doing what I love. And I don't regret ever not canceling that class. Um, but that's kind of an extreme. You've got to keep going. Every day people are, are looking up to you. And you better make sure you're also looking up to them. Don't never look down on them. Yeah, I we we have to show up. I so a question I often get in classes, and I'm sure Kim, you get this too. Um, you know, who should be the scrum master, right? And everyone wants to know, like, who do we anoint as the as that servant leader? And I kind of see a trainer as a servant leader as well. And I, I say there's three things uh, that you need. And the first one is you have to love your team. I mean, it's a weird word to use in tech, right? The word love, but I kind of, I don't mean it as like romantic love. I mean it as you genuinely care about these people. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the second thing that I talk about is um, you have to want your team or these people to be wildly successful. Like that is what's driving you, the, the success of the people in your class or on your scrum team. And then finally, you have to have zero tolerance for anything getting in their way. And I think that kind of mentality goes a long way uh, in the training community as well, because look, we're going to have situations like I've had um, the unemployed person in your class who's looking to you to give them skills or to teach them something that they're going to be able to use to go back to work and feed their families. That's a massive responsibility. Uh, we've had other people have epiphanies in the middle of class that <clears throat> they are in the wrong job or they're in a situation God, that's yeah. not, that, that's not benefit that's damaging to them. And they're having a breakdown, um, with that realization and you can't just collect the training fee and leave right now you now you're in a coaching situation and you've just you've caused an inspection you've caused someone to have an introspective moment and they're about to fundamentally change their lives and it's from content that you've provided and it's like okay now we're we're all in we're in this together we're going to figure this out and it's um i mean that's that's a lot of the why but i mean it's also that that mentality will get I think trainers uh, to a good place. I don't know. I'm sure you've seen these things as well, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of my things that I, I tell people is that you need patience to prosper. It, it's called P2P, <laughs> patience to prosper. And that's as a trainer too. It, it's that you have, you're changing the way people see things. You are, you're helping them to break down these barriers that they've had up. And when they're breaking, when you're breaking any barrier down, it's tough and you better have patience to prosper because it changed is hard and you're that individual that's right there getting them through it. And so that would be my next piece of advice is that going through this process to be a certified scrum trainer, patience to prosper because patience will allow you to actually digest what you're learning. And so that you can actually be a better trainer. Patience when you're dealing with students, because not every training is a glorified rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. You're going to find people that, <laughs> you know, are, are forced to come there. And you've got, you know, there, there's all sorts of people that you're going you're gonna to face. And you never know what you're going to, it's like, it's like forest. You never know what chocolate you're going to get. Right. And, and that, you have to be ready for some are going to be a little sour. Some are going to be too sweet. Some are just going to, you want to go spit them out, but you never, you can never spit something out or someone out that you don't like. 
you have to be open. You have to also respect where they're coming from. Yeah. Now it's a, it's a massive responsibility and, uh, you know, and I know you take that seriously as well. Let's, let's shift back to tack for a minute. So you're about to, you've gone through your interview, they've prepared a topic for you. And so I don't know if you remember your topic or not. I'd imagine you do that first time around. So you walk back in the room and say, all right, Kim, we need you to teach us. And then what do they ask you to teach? So uh, they, uh, I was laughing. I was thinking of something else first, but uh, uh, my, my first time around, my topic was the definition of done. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, And so one of the things I had done had done to get done is I had scheduled some mock tax. And what do I mean by mock tax? I was meeting with friends such as yourself. Yep. Um, actually, no, I didn't. I, did, I met with you the second time around. Second round. Um, but I met with my, our buddy, Zach Boniker. Yep. Uh, and I also met with some of the other certified scrum trainers and I, I did these things virtually. And, um, and in fact, my buddy, Eric Tucker, in fact, it w- if it wasn't for him, you know, I still wouldn't even be here right now. And Eric and I would go over, um, topics. And one of the topics I was struggling with when we were doing these mock tax was the definition of done. And in fact, Eric later told me, he said, Kim, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know. He's like, you were worrying me. He said, you just were freezing up. You were getting, you were actually getting in your own way. And finally, when I found my connection to the definition of done, he's like, yes, now he's like, now that's the real Kim Brainerd that I've seen. And what I, why I wanted to bring this up is that when you're getting topics from the TAC or you're just a trainer, uh, so for, even if you're not going to go to TAC, here's my recommendation as a trainer, as a coach. I recommend you find your connection, your connection story, your way into facilitating knowledge to someone else needs to be a connection where you can truly feel it and help others feel it. Um, learning is all about actually experiencing things, digesting these things that they're learning. And one of my areas of connection was I, I had some home remodeling done and everybody is that, you know, have you ever had any home remodeling done or started this a project and, and you think that you've got the right way to do things and so that was my connection to this story. But I was almost too connected to my own story and forgot about how the story could relate to somebody else. And so be careful of those things. I, 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 I can't go too far into the weeds of it or we'd be here all day, Ryan. But <laughs> I, uh, I found my connection story. I, I was pretty happy about it when I went into the TAC. And um, I still just didn't take time to do one important thing. My next piece of advice as a trainer, whether you're going to tack or you're just, you're doing a training, breathe. Yeah. Take time to breathe. Excuse me. And what do I mean by that? You have about five minutes to prepare your topic before you're teaching it back to the TAC members. And one of the things, excuse me, I actually need to get a drink of water here. But uh, one of the things that you got to do is actually just breathe literally take a deep breath and breathe. Well, a, a thoughtful, pause. A thoughtful <laughs> pauses actually show uh, consideration. It can lead to a greater impact. I mean, it is a good um, speaking technique. It also just gives you some time to think. I mean, it's just, yeah, that, that pause and breathe. 
you know, whether you're in front of tech getting a, a, um, a topic or you're in front of a class getting a difficult question from a student, just that pause, that initial get yourself centered, get your brain right. You know, if you have a, a clarifying question, get it formulated. Um, if you need to stall a little bit because your brain's working, just that pause is I, so important. God, so important. In fact, just a little bit of a coaching tip and trick for facilitation. And and Ryan, one of my biggest passions is facilitation. Yeah. One of the things I teach in my classes is, is around the daily scrum, as well as I know you do too. And a lot of people are going out and misusing, abusing the daily scrum right now. And one of the things I, I, I teach scrum masters is count to 10. Yeah. Count to 10. Be careful, folks. Don't, don't be so jumping in so quick. They're not solutionizing. If you've ever been a development team member, Ryan, I know you have. I know I have. Yep. But when you've been a development team member, they're creative beasts. Just because they ask somebody a question in the daily scrum doesn't mean they're solutionizing. Scrum masters, count to 10. Wait for it. It might just mean that they need a clarifying question. Yeah. The daily scrum should be very visual visualizing that synchronization around the work, the plays that they need to make. And so counting to 10 is, is one of the best facilitation tricks I, I've ever come across. And I wish during my original tack, I had just counted to 10. Yeah. So clearly we were alluding to the fact that round one of tack for Kim um, was a learning experience, but did not lead to becoming a trainer. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Whew. You might, you might strike a chord here. <laughs> so for those that are looking for some transparency and um, gosh, I hope I don't, you know, lose it here. Meaning this was probably this, no, there, this was the most impactful self-awareness learning moment I've ever had. Um, I was pretty confident in, in my skill set to become a certified scrum trainer. I felt very comfortable with those that I was going in the room with. And almost in too much of a cocky sense. Man, don't get in front of yourself and get in your own way. We teach people about it. And it's one of the worst skill sets you could ever have as a trainer. Never be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. It really is true. And um, I, I, I am so happy that I was grounded the way I was. Did it hurt and bite really bad? Oh, God, yeah, Ryan, it really did. Here's what happened. Um, I went in, did my interview. I, I did uh, go through uh, my training, the teach back of doing the definition of done. And I, I wasn't displeased with the performance, um, but I also could have always done better, which I hope everybody knows we can always do better. And then I went back in to do a retrospective on the entire process. And I then went back out and I actually to be, oh gosh, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I was almost celebrating. I thought I did really well. And then two of the members came out and, and shared the news that unfortunately I had um, not made it this time around. And then a, a, the weight of bricks that hit me was, it was hard and I fell hard. It was, it was, 
a huge slap in the face, but of course I wanted to hear the feedback. Um, I went in to hear the feedback. I'm not sure I heard the feedback um, at all. I, I mean, you're there, you're present and needing, needing to hold it together too. And at that point, you know, I, no one wants to see you to fail. No one wants to see that. And it's, a, I can only imagine how hard it was for them to deliver that news now. I'm not sure I felt that then. And I left and uh, a dear friend of mine, Lonnie, was the first person I saw and I'll never forget her. And she waited for me. In fact, I'm going to get a little tripped up. She waited for me. And she didn't have to say anything. And she gave me a hug. And I think she, yeah, she walked me back to my hotel room. And that, that was all I needed was just that hug. And she knew, it was t- you know, and she knew that it was, you know, I needed some space. And I did. And it was, it was hard. And so do I know what it feels like if anyone has not, I mean, if you hear my voice, this is extremely sincere. Um, Yes, it was, it was so hard. And Ryan, you were actually one of the first people that I spoke to. Uh, I remember, I remember that phone call. Um, I was actually teaching a class. I was teaching a, a PSM. Um, and I saw the, so on my, on my watch, I saw your call come in and I knew where you're at. I knew what you were doing. Uh, we were at a good breaking spot. So I went ahead and called a break in the class and answered the phone. And I was, I was stunned. Like I, you started explaining what was happening and I was like, well, 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 wait a minute, what are you talking about? And yeah, I remember that call very clearly. Um, but I mean, after a little bit of, of being upset, I think we, uh, we got to a place to where it was like, all right, what do we do next? Like, what's the, um, yeah. And, and you bounced back and, pretty quick like, and that was really impressive. Like it was, uh, I know you beat yourself up a little bit for getting a little angry or some of the things you may have said, but I, I, I think you bounced back super people should keep in mind, like people invest years of their lives becoming, um, competent with the framework um, we hone our training skills for years and to get to the, it's like climbing, uh, it's probably not like this, but imagine you're climbing Everest and you're 10 feet from the top and someone says you can't come up here yet. And it's just like, oh, I mean, it's, it's such a devastating feeling. So I, I was actually, I was super impressed when you were like, all right, this sucks, but uh, what's next? And uh, I thought that was really a, a, just a great sign of character. Oh, thank you. Um, it, there, you know, there's, there's still things you'd love to take back. Um, the journey, the journey, and and this is what I, I, I'd have to say is that the journey, I allowed it to eat me alive at times. Did I always do things that were correct or the right thing? Absolutely not. Was I always the best person? No. In fact, I was going through some personal things in my own personal life that were kind of taking a toll. And so it was almost that I found myself in this tornado and I allowed the tornado to grow into this class five. And it just, it was a destructive path. And all of a sudden when the tornado meaning hit where I got the news that it wasn't going to go my way that day, that was ended up being the, and Oh my gosh, and it's a surprise. A lot of people would be surprised to hear me say this. The absolute best thing that ever happened to me. 
Um, Tell me about that. It opened my eyes to making, it opened my eyes to where I was. uh, I ruined relationships. It opened my eyes to closed learning where I didn't learn things that I should have. It opened my eyes to reflect on the, the very valuable information that I received um, and others' opinions and, and to truly humble myself. And then it also expanded my horizons. Um, my second time around when I was, it took me a while to recover. I mean, it, I felt like I went through a divorce. Um, and I, there was a definitely a mourning time. And then there was also a refocus time and I needed to refocus alone. Um, Ryan, you and I spoke, but just, I needed to sort of protect myself a little bit and reflect yeah, in that without moment, any. I mean, in that moment, just the raw feelings and the thoughts. And I think you did the, what you did was smart, right? You didn't let um, too many comments fly. You didn't let, um, no, I had, yeah, anyone who would criticize that, I I think you did the right thing. I mean, you just, it takes a little time to recenter the brain, especially after a loss like that. I mean, three years, three and a half years of prep, and it's like, oh, not quite. And it's um, a massive financial investment of time and money. And yeah, I get it. I, yeah, I like I said, I was impressed with how quickly you actually bounced back from it and just was like, all right, what do I have to do to get there? I mean, a lot of people quit at that point. A lot of people are just like, this is unfair. This is rigged. It's not right. And instead, I mean, I think it's impressive. You took the feedback. um, You kind of humbled yourself a bit. Like we all get there. Like, look, let's face it. When people do the kind of work that we do, we write books, uh, we travel to conferences, we speak in front of thousands of people, we teach classes. Humility is not always high up on the list. And it's very easy for humility to get out of, to kind of go to the back um, and so I think the fact that you actually stepped back and cause I mean, I, I struggle with this too. Like the, the ego monster is alive and well in, in me. And I really have to remember <laughs> I'm serving other people and I'm trying to create a great life for my family. And I'm the people that I'm serving. I really have to keep focused or else that, that thing grows. Right. And sometimes we just have to get that, that humility check. And, uh, I, I don't know. I think you're hard on yourself. I think you handled it well. And it was, uh, you could have gone in so many different directions. You could have said, forget this. It's rigged. It's unfair. You could have been bitter. You could have been, and you know what? I mean, you basically took the feedback from, from my point of view, especially after that initial call and then follow-up calls. And I think you decided, um, what do I need to do to get to improve? And I thought that was so impressive. Like you did not take the negative path that so many of our friends and colleagues have taken. One thing I, and so Ryan, when we talked about doing this, one of the things that I wanted to share is that, and and this is the reason that the podcast is so important versus writing it down. And one, the reason I wanted to do this and when you asked me to do this was because I needed to say this and that my first time around I deserve to not go forward, but the reward in return was far greater. And so I am so thankful to the TAC members for helping me get to where I am now, but also for 
helping, giving me an opportunity to grow further. And I would never be the trainer I am today if I wouldn't have failed the first time. And I don't think it's a fail. I think that just like the Agile Manifesto, I've uncovered new things about myself. I learned so much more and I adapted. And it, it really is that if it's about uncovering and discovering yourself and continuing to learn more, I am now able to help others. They helped me. I mean, I now value them more than I ever have before, not because I passed, but because I failed, because I didn't pass that first time around. I went out and sought other people. I didn't actually, I, I didn't actually do any more co-trainings. Um, I had far many letters than I needed. And they had said, my feedback was that it wasn't that I needed more co-training and I needed coaching, Ryan. And I actually sought out a very interesting group of individuals for my coaching um, <laughs> to help me on that second time around, which is, and, you know, I, I sought out you. You were the one that helped me, you know, on the second time around. It was, it was some coaching. Um, another gentleman, his name's Ken France uh, from C-Prime. Uh, Ken is a safe trainer. And so you're, uh, why am I bringing this up? I felt that I had so much training from the Scrum Alliance community. I felt that I also needed to seek out something different from my good friend, Tamson Mitchell. Tamson is a, she's, she's an artist inside and out, not just visually, but verbally. Um, one day Tamson said to me, Kim, do you want me to coach you or do you want me to mentor you? And I had to sit back and I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? And I'm like, I know what it means, but I had to really think about that. It was a really interesting question that Tamson had, had asked that day. I'll never forget her face. Um, and then one day on, on a virtual chat with Zach Boniker, I was just doing a, another virtual tack prep with somebody and then all of a sudden I had to hurry up and get off, get off with that person and get on the uh, video chat with, with Zach and Zach sitting in his office and he's got the video chat on and there's all these, it's an open setting. And all of a sudden I just started bawling. <laughs> was, yeah. I'm laughing now. And, and all I could see is Zach's face and thinking, okay, well, here we go. But Zach handled it beautifully. And it was that moment he goes, and he asked the same thing he was, is that what, what, what stance would you like me to take right now? Yeah. Would you, are you mentor or coach? And I said, mentor. And he reminded me of my own advice that I just gave everyone. Me, what about taking time to breathe? Yeah. And I almost got choked up saying that again too, because again, it was that I didn't reflect on, you've got to take time to breathe, take time for Kim. What does Kim want? Kim needs to lay her path out. And that's what Zach and I ended up doing that day. And I just needed that friend. So what am I getting at is that that second time around, I needed to surround myself with individuals who helped me understand where I should be facilitating coaching and mentoring. And that that was a really big part of the second time for me, understanding the stances, understanding that I needed to just breathe and helping me to get out of my own way. And that was, and the thing that I learned from all of you was truly that, that just beyond rewarding. In fact, 
the, my rest of my life, uh, I'll truly, the gifts that you all gave me are forever. I'm grateful. The coaching was, oh, I'm speechless still. No, you it, was, uh, it was awesome. Like I, I was truly honored when you reached out. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what you had said. I, um, it was one of those where I think you said something about, Hey, you scrum.org people, you're all, you're all really good with the language of scrum. Like you're really technical oh, yeah. and you, you're precise. And so can you help me with that? And I'm like, sure. Like I, I mean, we, that is something that, that we really spend a lot of time on is that precision and language. And, and I think something that, that we really worked on was just when someone asks a question about an event, what is our, our, our elevator pitch of that event? What is our concise statement about that event? How do we avoid rambling and running on? How do we just get super precise with language? And I thought that was a really, it was fun because I learned a lot too. Like I, you know, you bring, you know, experiences from the, the Scrum Alliance side where <clears throat> there's some practices there. I mean, we all, we're all teaching Scrum off of the Scrum Guide. And so the, the base material is very, very similar, but you bring a strong training from the back of the room approach to, to your training classes and you're very high energy and you're very visual. And, and I'm not like, I take a different, more technical, more like this different stance. And so I even pulled, like I've started doing more TBR, liberating structures, those types of things in my classes, because I've watched you do a lot of that stuff and people that high energy is infectious. People love it. And so it wasn't, I don't think any of the people you reached out to would say it was a one way street. Um, I think we all, um, I think we all get better when we work together and help each other out. And it was just a, I mean, it was just fun. Uh, I got to learn a little bit about, you know, how you approach definition of done and a few other topics. I think I shared the ways that I teach them and, and together, I think it just, it, it led to both of us getting better and more precise in the way that we talk about Scrum. I, I actually would say that would be my next piece of advice for someone is, is that that's probably one of the biggest learnings that uh, you shared with me, precise language when you're teaching and, and, un, and controlling your sentences. Um, again, I go, this goes back to facilitation, but the craft and art, I guess you could say of how you're sharing your, your words with others in the class is, is extremely important. Um, you are transferring knowledge. So therefore you need to have a beginning, middle and end, but you have to make sure that that beginning, middle and end is also time boxed and quite precise. And so if you're going out to, to experience attack, that would be one of the er other areas. A lot of times people are though focusing on, training from the back of the room. I don't discredit training from the back of the room, but that's also a craft yep. that you have to practice in. And I would, I've, I've seen more. Uh, so I've been co-training some individuals now as well over the past year. And I've found that so many are focusing more on training from the back of the room, the four C's model than anything else which has been very concerning to me. And what am I getting at is they're forgetting to facilitate. Facilitation is an art. I, I explain that. In fact, I would actually say every individual I've worked with, that is one of their areas of growth that's needed is that facilitation. Facilitation is Mozart, where Mozart, except they're not Mozart with the hands on their keys. They're Mozart where there's so much sweet music going on, they never put their hands on the keys. <laughs> they're Picasso without ever touching the paintbrush. Meaning they're providing knowledge, but the students are doing the work 
Yeah. And you don't even have to go through a map. You're able to just see things all in your surroundings. And people really need to understand that to be a successful trainer is to really craft your facilitation. Whether you use techniques from training from the back of the room, that's fine. But the first technique that I would work on is the stance of facilitation. Yeah, and even understanding what facilitation is, right? We throw that word around quite a bit. And what it really, at its essence, is really to make things simple, right? We should make it simple for a, stu- for a student to learn the material, right? We should present right. structures and frameworks and ways of presenting material that simplifies it down uh, to such a level that the students can't help but learn. And that's really that, that first step into it. I was talking with... Um, with Todd Miller about this uh, just a few nights ago out and I was in Philadelphia with him and uh, we were just like, you know, at some point, like we all understand the, we're, we're getting to a pretty advanced level of understanding of scrum. Um, it's been, you know, at the center of my brain for the better part of the past 15 to 20 years. And at this point, the training really becomes a performance. We're trying to perform. And I don't mean like acting, what I mean is we're trying to facilitate coach, mentor, and slide in and out of those, those stances effortlessly so that the students mm-hmm. don't even notice and they cannot help but learn. And it's really crafting that performance and crafting that, those stances. And as you said, starting at facilitation and getting so excellent at that skill, right? And if we can do that, the students benefit. It's a better course. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a hot tip. I hope people actually, if you're a trainer, you take that to heart, that really facilitating, making things simple, performing your, your courses in such a way that the students cannot help but learn. Um, and that takes time. Like we spend a lot of time um, just, to, I, I can't tell you how many times my wife has walked into my office and I'm just talking to a whiteboard, trying to, trying to craft out the, the right way to say something, the right way to, to do um, those kind of things. Yeah. Speaking of the stepping in and out of the stances, when we were going through uh, working together during that, that between phase before I was going back to the tack, it was interesting of how many people that I was working with would always switch in and out of those stances Yeah, and, and helping me to, to what they were facilitating me to get out of my own way. And then it was that they, and this is the biggest tip and trick is that they could actually see without telling me what's, what I needed without telling me that it was that when Tamson would ask me if I was, if I was open to being mentored, Zach, the same, I mean, you, the same, you knew what I needed without saying it, but you would coach me to get there to figure out, help me see through what I needed at the time. And that, that truly is, it's a gift. It really is a gift. And, and you have to enhance that gift, even if you have it, um, and refine that gift of facilitating. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting the, the route you took. So after the, the first tack, um, things didn't go as expected. You reached out to a safe trainer. You reached out to a scrum.org guy. You reached out to Zach, who's one of the best coaches I know. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, he's just, I mean, Tamson, Tamson's one of the most talented visual facilitators I've ever seen. And even beyond that, just a super smart, super smart woman. I love Tamson. And before she is, God love her. She is, she is, and she's an artist inside and out. That's for sure. I also reached out to Melissa Boggs as well. This is uh, before Melissa uh, became the, 
uh, Scrum Master for Scrum Alliance. Yeah. And Melissa also helped coach me as well on the phone. And that was, that was a great gift as well. Yeah, Melissa's a good friend and, and really excited for her in her new role as you know, co-CEO with Howard Sublet at Scrum Alliance. Um, she was on the show talking about that a little bit ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you picked this eclectic group of, of trainers and individuals. And so, I mean, I, hopefully, I, I think we helped. I mean, hopefully that was a good experience for you because <laughs> how, did, how did the second tack go? So the second tack went much better. Um, and in fact, it was interesting. First off, I went in with a humble mind, a humble approach is that sure. um, no matter what, I, in fact, this is one of the biggest things I want to share. Uh, I also had met up with some other coaches um, uh, outside. One of them was uh, Ben Summers and Benjamin Summers. And, and he was wonderful to work with. In fact, he helped to coach me out of my own way at times. But when I went into the TAC, uh, one of the first people that I saw was actually uh, Bjorn. And Bjorn had, had, had come up to me, and he was he's just always so humble. And he had, he had asked me a question about how I was feeling. And I said, I'm good, but I almost got choked up again. And not because I was scared, but because I was truly humbled this time. And that I had known no matter what would happen in that that TAC interview, I had learned more valuable information that I would already take away and that no one could take away. Meaning the time that I'd spent with all of you, those that I, the team that I, the new team that I had put together, they had shared so much with me. I had learned so much from them that I was already an improved individual um, inside my personal life as well as inside my, my professional life. And I, I just had shared with Bjorn that no matter what, I, I had grown as an individual, personally and professionally, and that, you know, I really appreciate it not passing the first time. And I feel like people thought that, oh, yeah, whatever, that's a, you know, that's a, maybe a bunch of baloney, but it really wasn't. I, I would never have shared the experiences or had the opportunity to take the time and learn the things that I had if I hadn't failed or let's say not had things go my way the first time and no one can take that away. And so the second time around, I went in more humbled because I needed to be grounded. And sometimes you don't see that you actually need to be grounded. And I, I did, I needed to be grounded as a human being personally and professionally. And it was a it was an interesting interview because it was it was a job interview. You are interviewing for a job. You are representing the Scrum Alliance to serve members in the community to and, and share information with them. And so to to have that honor, and again, I'm sure that goes with, with Scrum.org as well, to have the honor to to help others grow themselves professionally as and as potentially personally, that's a gift. And so it's a, it's a great gift to be able to be a trainer that is able to certify individuals. And so I, I did go in and my, my second topic was the development team. That was my, my topic for my second go around. And I went in, of course, I was still nervous. I'd be lying to say I wasn't. And, um, but the approach I took was, you know, think about this as you're facilitating 
and you're taking time to breathe. And instead of using my five minutes to hurry up and get ready, I, 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 I actually took time to breathe. I counted to 10 and said, whatever happens, happens. I, I know the information and I'm going to share it. And there's always going to be an improvement area. And so um, I guess after I delivered that and did my retrospective, they, uh, they came out and uh, had shared with me that I had passed. And at first I almost didn't believe them. And that was, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I can't learn anymore. Wait a minute. Did I, are you sure you don't want to not pass me? I mean, I actually that I almost felt that way at first. And here's what I mean by that. Yes, I was grateful to pass, but I was like, okay, what really came up? The first thing that came to my mind is you pass, but you still need to learn. Keep going. And that was the first thing that came to my mind, not the, oh, that's exciting that I passed. It was that, okay, so you just made this mark. Now you have to keep learning. You better keep learning every day, every class, and you better appreciate the gift that you just received because you yourself learned just in the past few months how, much, how important it is to always inspect yourself. Keep yeah. growing yourself. And that literally was my first reaction. That's awesome. Like it, uh, it sounds like the process worked. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. So can I, can I share something with yeah, you? Please. Oh, I'm always cringing a little bit because no, you're good. People say, so I, I sat down, um, I guess at the next scrum gathering with some of the members from the scrum Alliance, cause some of them are really good friends. And they were very disheartened because that next go around, there's a lot of people who didn't pass the tech and they said, what's wrong with the process? And I said, nothing. The problem is is a lot of people aren't really focused. They have scrum knowledge, but they're not focusing on their facilitation. Yeah. They're trying to rush it. And I said, don't, don't break a process that's not broken. It really isn't broken. It's tough and it's meant to be tough. And if, if it wasn't the process it was, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. It's, the bar is supposed to be high, um, whether it's Scrum Alliance or Scrum.org. Or, I mean, the bar is very high uh, to get in. We go through um, years of preparation, years of, of inspection and adaptation, years of introspective moments, years of being humbled um, to finally get to a place where we have earned the honor of serving other people through training and teaching and coaching and mentoring. And, and it's really, um, and that's frustrating, I think to a lot of people, but I, I, you know, I, my journey as a, as a professional scrum trainer is somewhat similar. Um, it was not just a fast track through and, and an easy win. I mean, I, there were stumbles and, and points of time where I was told, uh, not yet. And it really, like you really have to make a decision. I think you have to decide that um, serving others is more important than your own ego or that serving others is more important than what you thought you were. And really the ability to just confront some of those, those things, the ability to um, kind of reflect, adapt, change. And I mean, you went way outside the box. I mean, when, I mean, when you tell people that you went and found a safe trainer, a scrum.org person, uh, and a visual facilitator and used you know the knowledge from them and 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 sought coaching and facilit and and mentoring from them uh, when you tell people about that, I mean, don't you get some weird looks? 
Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. Um, but it, it's about making sure that you gain the perspective of others that are really your peers. I mean, I, yeah. I look at all of those individuals as peers and as well as people that I think are even more advanced than myself. And I mean, in, in so many ways. Um, and it, it's important to who, it, it, to me, it's not important of who you work for. It's about who they are. And those individuals were the right individuals as well as the other individuals that I co-trained with too. I mean, I had an amazing group of, of certified scrum trainers that I had yep. that helped get me to where I am. And the continued, I mean, support was, you know, a good friend of mine, Trisha, she's like, you tell me what you need. I'm here. And it was, it's their friends. Everybody wants to see you succeed. The TAC wants to see you succeed. The Scrum Alliance wants you to succeed. Um, Scrum.org wants you to succeed. SAFE wants us to succeed. Everyone does. And that's what's amazing about our community that is, is different from any other uh, community that I'm aware of is that at the end of the day, we all want success because we're, we're all actually working towards changing how work gets done and changing mindsets of individuals. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, I, I think it's cool the way you went about it. Um, so you, you passed TAC. And so now you're a certified scrum trainer. You're able to teach the two-day classes. You've got your classes built. Um, how's life now? Well, it's funny that you said this. It's, it's that it's busy. It's busy as in that I'm still learning um, every day. Um, you and I, I would say, work on coaching one another yep. uh, continuously, uh, as well as I work with some other individuals and trying to always enhance myself, my skill set. And one of, the, you know, one of the things I love that we do is our facilitation and coaching um, camp. Yep. You know, it helps us you know, crap, you know, work on our own skill of facilitation and coaching. We're helping to train others in, in that skill set. But we always learn every single class. And life is, life is good, but I'm, I'm also just very still humbled and grounded. And if you're thinking about taking this path, and I, I highly encourage you to do so, no matter which organization you, you're working with or choose to work with, Remember to count to 10. Yeah. Remember to always stay grounded. Remember that learning is, is a journey. There's not an end point. And also make sure that your personal life is not something that's put on a back burner, that that's the front burner, and that this, at the end of the day, is a gift. But your family is too. Um, and so always seek out to help others. Um, you know, I think every, there's a, the tack that the, the certified scrum trainers and professional scrum trainers, we're all, I think, willing to help people. And it's just, it's very time consuming though. The people that helped me, I can't even tell you how many hours of their own personal time it took. And so be patient is what I'm getting at. You will need patience to prosper. Yeah. It, uh, it takes a long time. There's not, there's, um, you know, even on the scrum.org side, there's the fast path is years, right? I mean, it, it literally takes years to really dig in and do this. Um, and so, yeah, that patience to prosper is huge. You know, people, um, I get a lot of, uh, to take it out of training for a second, I get a lot of calls about the podcast. 
Like, hey, Ryan, we just started a podcast. How, we, how do we get up to the number of listeners that Agile for Humans has? I'm like, well, I've been doing this for six years. And after six yeah. years, we built a following. Um, so keep at it. Get a new episode out every month or every week, whatever your cadence is. And in four to five years, you'll be an overnight success. And I'll promote your show and I'll help you along the way. But it's really, you have to put in so much work that, um, and, and then that really is disheartening to some people. But I mean, it is just so much work to, uh, to get to uh, that trainer level and that trainer status. And, um, but it's so rewarding. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. this afternoon, I'm going to drive down uh, to Indianapolis and I'm going to spend three days teaching in a great, uh, just an amazing group of people. And I can't wait. Like I'm, I'm actually pumped. Um, well, because, and then afterward I'm home for three weeks and Thanksgiving break. And, but I mean, the class itself is just fascinating. Like I can't wait to see what we come up with in this class. And, um, and I, I think the day that I stop feeling that way is the day I have to quit. You know? Yeah, it, it's definitely determination and, and the love. Uh, I know we, we've talked about love before. The love of what you do and the gifts of which you, you give is, is truly just the most rewarding experience. But if you want to truly gain the agility and, and be a certified scrum trainer, I like to describe it as it's like Michael Phelps. He didn't just become an Olympi, Olymp, excuse me, an Olympic swimmer and earn, I think, doesn't he have the record of, of all gold medals? He didn't just get that overnight. He didn't even get it in a few years. He did have to first jump into the water. He had to learn how to swim. Then he had to learn the craft. And then he had to really get into his skill set and, and then craft that skill set. And then there was a, a, there was a few wins. And I'm sure there was a few times that there was a few losses. But eventually he did win the gold and then several golds and that it takes time. It takes years, but enjoy every bit of the journey because it truly is so rewarding. Well, Kim, I appreciate you given an, I mean, a very candid insight into you know, what it takes to become a certified scrum trainer, um, digging into your journey a bit um, and really appreciate how you've, um, you know, just kind of laid out what it took to get there, the things you went through. Um, I mean, I, I hope people find this, you know, people who are, are really thinking about going down this path. Uh, maybe someday we'll talk about the, the other side of the aisle, but I'm glad that you were able to give people an insight into what it takes to really, like if you're deciding that being a scrum trainer or any trainer for that matter um, is in your, is, that's your future, just the things that go into it. I think some great tips, some great insights, some great, uh, you shared a lot of introspective moments. I really appreciate that. And so thank you uh, for giving the listeners the, the insights into uh, what it could take to, to go down this journey. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. And, and more importantly, thank you for always being a mentor, coach, and trainer to me as well. And I, I do truly appreciate that as well. So yeah, likewise. You. you know, thanks for just being an amazing friend. So... Um, this is our shameless plug section. So this is your time. Um, I know you've got some things, we've got some things coming up that you probably want to talk about and have dates for. Um, so the floor is yours. Um, anything you want to talk about, anything you have coming up, uh, what would you like to share with the listeners? Well, thank you. Um, so yeah, the plug time, that's always fun, but I, I guess it would kind of reflect on what we were just talking about. One of the things that, uh, I, I love that we do, we've partnered up 
uh, and have done a few private classes together. Yeah. And we actually have provided an advanced facilitation and coaching camp to some of our private clients. And we're actually going public with those in 2020. And our first uh, advanced facilitation and coaching camp is going to be in March, uh, beginning March 13th. Uh, backed up to the business agility conferences happening in New York City. So we're Ryan Ripley and I will be in New York City uh, for a three-day course, uh, which is going to offer you two certifications of the IC Agile Advancer Facilitation, also known as their uh, Agile Team Facilitation and their Coaching Certification. So we'll be doing a, a pretty unique camp over the course of three days to offer two certifications to help folks with their facilitation and coaching stances. And then uh, we're also doing some virtual coaching as well for 2020 because we definitely recognize that people don't necessarily have the ability to take time off of work. And so we are doing some virtual facilitation. Uh, if you're interested, you can contact uh, Agile Brain Group uh, and agilebraingroup.com. And also, we have an array of classes that are also public, and they're under our events page at agilebraingroup.com. But, Ryan, I'm pretty excited because I think we're going to be, what, in uh, New York City, and we're also going to be in the Midwest in Indiana at the uh, Agile Indie Conference, yeah. offering this course in May. And so, if you can't join us in New York City in March, uh, backed up to the Business Agility Conference, um, and we do have that also host. Uh, posted on our website for that certification. We're going to be uh, at Agile Indie uh, offering this class in May. So that, that'll be exciting as well. Yeah, I, we're kind of busting a myth with this that, oh, you, you're from different certification bodies. You don't work together at all. And it's furthest from the truth. We're all friends. Um, you'd be surprised. I think listeners would be surprised how much behind the scenes we all talk and work together and share. And, and in this case, Kim and I are coming together. You get a, a scrum.org and a scrum alliance uh, a scrum trainer coming over uh, to to provide three days facilitation and coaching uh, certifications through IC Agile. The certifications are great, but it's really three days with us where we share our best tips, tricks, and practices in order to how to do the facilitation and coaching. A lot of the things we talked about in this podcast uh, were all, I mean, the majority is focused on facilitation and coaching. And so, these skills are so important that uh, we went ahead and put a class together. We hope you join us. We'll have some links in the show notes. As for me, your host, Ryan Ripley, uh, I think many of you are aware um, the book. So Todd Miller and I, uh, another professional scrum trainer, good friend of mine, Todd Miller, we came together to about two years ago to write a book. So Fixing Your Scrum, Practical Solutions for Common Scrum Problems. It's being uh, published by the Pragmatic Bookshelf. So the Prag Progs, that's Andy Hunt and Dave Thomas's company. Um, the beta is complete, right? So the writing is done. It's in copy editing. It's in indexing. We will have a physical copy of the book in our hands, uh, I think the first or second week of January. So this thing is about to become really real. Um, it's available on Amazon uh, for pre-order on the Prag site. You can order the digital ed edition now. I'm just super excited. We're getting, we got a lot of really early great reviews. Um, some really, <laughs> some awesome praise quotes. Um, some people have bought the beta. They're already using it in their Agile book clubs. It's awesome to get that kind of feedback. So we're hoping that that this book really helps. Like It's an extension of our practice, and, and we hope that this uh, gets out there and does a lot of good. So that's available 
Um, and we'll put some links in the show notes. But other than that, I think that's enough plugging. I hope that you can join, and I hope as many of you as possible can join Kim and I in New York in March. This is a pretty special class. We've built it primarily with liberating structures. There's some TBR mixed in. There's some lecture mixed in. We've tried to do a lot of different learning modes so that people can really walk away with a good understanding of the material. But we've tried to make it so simple you cannot help but learn, I think is what we've, what we've tried to do here. Um, but yeah, the links will be in the show notes. Reach out to Agile Brain Group if you have questions. Um, but yeah, Kim, this was fun. I, I learned a lot. You know, I went through the scrum.org path. I've never gone through the scrum Alliance path. It was interesting to hear some of the differences. Maybe sometime we'll, we'll circle back and we'll talk about the other side's journey and maybe compare those and have a discussion. But, um, it was fascinating to hear just your journey. Um, and really appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, I know the listeners got a lot of, out of this as well. Yes, thank you so much, Ryan, and I hope they did as well. And for anybody going on that journey, patience to prosper, good luck. And please let you know myself or Ryan know if you need anything to help you on that journey. We're, that's what it's really all about is helping others. Absolutely. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Agile for Humans. Uh, have a great day.